Hello, guys, and welcome to the 41st edition of the Next One Podcast. I almost messed it up. I'm Ryan Conlong, Brent Smith, Zach Maharmo, and another special guest, Michael Hurley of WZ Boston. Michael, it's awesome to have you on here. We appreciate it. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and I thank you guys again for my uh, sporadic schedule in the middle of a summer day, so I appreciate that. I kind of, I was all over the place, so thanks for that. No worries, but speaking of sporadic schedules, while we know, so... It was due to some ice cream mishaps, and once you told us, we were all wondering what kind of ice cream did you get. So I'm a big peanut butter guy. I don't know if anyone else is, and I always get like peanut butter cup or or whatever, like peanut butter. Today they had peanut butter pie, and it blew my mind. It was unbelievable. <laughs> it was like it's like peanut butter ice cream with peanut butter cup chips of peanut butter cup, and then there was like pieces of I don't even. It was unbelievable. I ate it in like one minute. So I ate it fast, but I'm late. I'm late because my children took a long time to eat their ice cream. So, No worries. Now, where'd you get that from? I've never heard of peanut butter pie. Uh, there's this place in Billerica called Orchard Hill. And uh, I've never either, but it's my new favorite ice cream, I think. There we go. I was going to say, as long as you didn't say cake batter or cotton candy, that's an acceptable answer. Cause... Yeah, there's not many wrong answers with ice cream. Right. <laughs> I agree. Now, one last... Uh, Important question before we get to talking about your current sports. This is very important. Have you fully recovered from losing that blue check mark for an hour? Because it was pandemonium that day. And I think it was the day I contacted you and I just felt really bad about that whole situation. You shouldn't have because uh, DMs were the only thing I could do. So that was the time to do it. Um, that was like like five thirty, six o'clock at night. So that's a time where I don't really tweet much usually. I'm like cooking dinner. And I was just kind of following it and kind of saying like, man, I actually, oh, I had gone grocery shopping and they had uh, Wendy's Baconator Pringles that I wanted to share with the world and Twitter wouldn't let me do it. So that is, I mean, Jack and all of his Twitter friends need to reckon with the fact that the world missed my tweet about Pringles. So uh, other than that, it really didn't affect me too much. They need to post an advertisement for that, that you see on, on Twitter, just to make sure that, that no one missed that during that hour when uh, the blue check marks were down. It's like, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars of free advertising for Wendy's down the tubes. It's a shame. <laughs> free advertising that they, need, that they desperately need during these times. But I just wanted to talk about now, getting away from blue check mark talk, your uh, work at WZ Boston, you write articles every day on there. I'm really curious to wonder how, especially during the coronavirus pandemic, the scheduling of posting those articles, like how strict is the deadline and just how it's been working remotely. So, I mean, I'm someone who's very critical of the NFL for being, I don't know, pigheaded very often. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, I'm very thankful that the NFL carried through a pandemic as if it wasn't happening because Uh, at least, you know, in March and April, it was just all NFL all the time because everything else shut down and they were just full on with the free agency, with the draft. I don't know if you know, but Tom Brady was the quarterback of the Patriots for 20 years and then decided to leave in free agency. Um, It was on the news. Yeah. Um, But that was, (laughs) that was obviously a huge one. And like, it kind of carried through. We, We have hit some dips, obviously, where the only thing you're writing about is like, the the bubble is this and and you know they're gonna try this um but fortunately i think we're through the worst of it 
unless something bad happens, which is always a possibility during this time. But um, we were, you know, as sports guys, kind of like, you know, if, if things really bottom out, we can hear, we can do other things, but we always had enough to, to just like, just barely, but uh, we just barely had enough to get through that. And hopefully with baseball starting this week, I really hope hockey works out because I think from a Boston market, that could be humongous, especially with the way that they're playing in that with the game times all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, football, we'll see. It seems like the hardest one to pull off, but the reason I'm optimistic on football is just football players are kind of football players and they're just going to show up to play football. I think um, it's, it's, a hard thing to pull off, I think, but I think, I think we'll get there at least they'll try it. Um, but yeah, definitely in, in May and June and even early July, it was kind of just like, okay, uh, what's, what's going to happen today. It was definitely different than the past 10 years of doing this, but uh, I think that's been the case for everybody in every industry everywhere. Now, before you joined us, we were actually talking about how the NFL basically has nothing prepared if they were to start a season. And I think, you actually answered the question why they haven't prepared. And it's because they've essentially been acting like the virus doesn't exist where everything's normal. The preseason is going to start, even though they just announced that there's not going to be a preseason and we're going to have a full football season in September. Yeah. I mean, on the one hand, I can sort of understand that in March when this was all going down, they were like, all right, let's take a step back. Let's do our free agency and draft because you don't really need interact. I mean, the draft was harder to pull off for teams with the, you know, without everyone together for that, but you can pull it off without, you know, really being affected. And then hopefully by July, I mean, like in March, you could easily see someone being like, by July, we'll be fine. Right. Um, I mean, in other countries by July, they're fine. So I think <laughs> that part wasn't wrong, but I would say by like mid June, the NFL might've probably benefited from being like, you know, what, I, don't, I don't think we'll have this figured out in four weeks. Um, but credit to them, I think they at least recognized that they're in a situation that they didn't plan on being in that it sounds like the talks with the Players Association are going more cordially than they would, you know, during non-pandemic times that I think they're figuring out things they have to figure out. They should have done it a month ago. They shouldn't do it when rookies are set to report uh, and, and veterans are set to report a few days later. This should have clearly been done, but if it, it, it seems like there won't be a preseason. They at least have a little bit of a buffer zone to, to adjust to some of the things that they should have squared away months ago. But outside of that, I, I still feel like, I mean, if, I don't know if you guys looked through the, what was it, 40 pages of protocols for the NFL teams yeah. to run. And it's like, okay, so you space the lockers out one by one. I don't know. You put half the team in the visitor's locker room. You can manage that. The, the meeting rooms, you'll just go by position, I guess, that – I guess you can make that work, but then it's like the hallways with like one way sides and stuff like that. It's just like these guys are running into each other at full speed on the practice field in the heat of summer. You have linemen just bashing their faces against each other every single snap. It seems a bit ridiculous to be like, Oh, you can only walk this way in the hallway, but I guess you got to have something. So, I mean, the, the real concern is uh, just keeping the virus out, which is going to be hard when guys are, living at home and traveling and all that. I don't, I honestly have no idea how it's going to work, but I, I, like I said, I think football players are going to be like, you know, whatever work, hit that guy, do my job. Like, I, I think there's that mentality, which might not be great uh, in terms of health, but it might 
carry the league through the season. Uh, it's very uncertain. I mean, yeah, as long that, as they don't do as long as they don't do jersey swaps after the game, we'll right. be fine. Right? You, you know, the jersey swap was the biggest thing, uh, COVID-wise, and the, the league took care of it right away. So credit <laughs> to them for before figuring anything else out, just banning jersey swaps, which I was worried about. I lost sleep about it, uh, but they they spared it away. So thank God. <laughs> Zach, was that what you were going to say? I was, I was about to, I was about to say that the NFL took a huge step with banning those dirty swaps. It's and I, I tweeted it, and I hate to like say my tweets aloud because there's nothing worse than ever like, hey, here's what I tweeted. But I said <laughs> it's like planning your victory dance on top of Everest before you even buy your backpack. You're like, when I get up there, man, I'm gonna do the best dance, and it's like. You, you are tackle football, and you haven't figured out how to play tackle football, but you've been jersey swaps after the tackle football games that you haven't figured out yet. So uh, that, that, But content-wise, that was great. I'm glad they did that. It gave me something right about for like two hours and be a donkey. So that's kind of where I, where I really flourish. Right, so, yeah, getting to a similar topic about that, I was going to ask you to rank the four major American sports, how they've handled coronavirus and prepping it, and why the NFL is the worst. At doing so? I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> because what's going to happen is I'm going to have to give Gary Bettman credit for something. No. Uh, and it's just, it's disgusting. It, it absolutely re- repulses me to do so, but I have to give the NHL credit. I don't know if the NHL or the NBA is better. I think they've both had the right approach. And, and early in the, you know, in March, I would have said there's no way you can get professional athletes to leave their families and live somewhere else for months like that is such a huge ask for I mean and you're hearing it with all the players whose wives are pregnant who are taking care of their parents all these different things and they're just going I I didn't think they would do that so with the NBA I guess there is so you know there's there's x number of teams there are 20 teams I'm pretty sure some of them will be home after a month some of them will be home after a month and a half so it's like it's not the entirety and then by that point if you are in it for two months you know you have a title within your grasp, so there's there's an element that they're going to go for it. But I didn't think that was possible. So credit to the NBA and the NHL for making guys sort of buy into that because without it, I mean, the, the baseball tests, you guys probably all followed when the testing started and there was delays in the results. So I take a test on a Wednesday and I don't get the results till Tuesday. What if that's positive? Everyone I've been in contact with since Wednesday is at risk. Uh They've had their issues, and, and honestly, I worry about that because they're not living in a bubble. They're traveling the country. Uh, they're not crossing the border, we know, because Canada was like, you know, we're good with anyone coming in here to play baseball. But I, I have concerns about the baseball players, not because they're going to be reckless or crazy, but if you're traveling through airports, you're living in hotels, you're, you're getting rest, like you can't live in your, in your bubble, your secluded area, it's going to be that much harder to control. Um, even like I forget who it was on the Rays. It was a player who lives in the Pittsburgh area was saying like, back home everyone wears a mask and you go do stuff. You you wear a mask. It's not really a big deal. And down here, he's in Tampa and he's like, I go to get pick up food and people are like insulting me and calling me a coward and all this stuff because I'm wearing a mask. And it's like, you hear stuff like that and you're kind of like, I don't know how they will pull it off. Because let's say a player. I know I'm I'm rambling here, but let's say a player. A player that tested positive in baseball two weeks ago hadn't been in contact with his teammates yet. But now they're going to be traveling. They're going to be playing. What if a player 10 days from now tests positive? Everyone he's been in contact with theoretically has to isolate. And, and that means his teammates. That means the teams he's played against. Like, 
I don't know what their plan is when that happens. If their hope is to just remove that person who tested positive and hope nobody else does. But uh, I have concerns about that again, not because they're going to be reckless, just because the virus is out there and they're going to be traveling through areas where it's, it's more prominent than others. And it's, it's concerning to me, the, the ability to finish in that league. So I think basketball with zero positive tests the other day, is going to be good. I think hockey is going to be good if they can get to their, you know, hub cities and, and pull it off. Basketball, I mean, baseball and football, I'm scared about. Uh, but I, 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 so yeah, credit to those leagues for pulling it off. I don't think you can't do that with football with 80 guys in training camp. But uh, for those leagues to be able to visualize it and and pull it off, credit to them. Um, please delete everything I said about Gary Bettman being good. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, we'll cut we'll cut the last like two minutes of that. Yeah, right, I'll make sure that. <laughs> I mean, there's. I mean, it's. I wrote a story a couple of weeks ago, like why are our sports commissioners so bad? And it was when Rob Manfred was in the throes of just saying the wrong thing every time he talked about baseball and just having no, just not being in touch with anything. And it's like, I mean, Gary Bettman has been overseeing the league for three work stoppages one of which cost an entire season. And then after that season, they didn't come back on ESPN, which they had been on. They came back on Outdoor Life Network, oh. which <laughs> was a show about like hunting and riding bicycles. And Gary Bettman is in the Hall of Fame. So it's like, I, I honestly don't know what it is with that. So again, I don't want to put the praise on too heavy with that, but credit to them. If they pull this off, hockey has the chance to really captivate North America for a few weeks, a few months, hopefully. I'm, I feel sick to my stomach right now. <laughs> I mean, you can just give the credit to their advisors. I'm sure they'd make the logical. Decision. Thank you. That's a great. That's a great point by you. <laughs> yeah. So, no credit to Batman. Your advisors, you should get a promotion. Absolutely. You brought up. Sorry to bring this up, but you brought up the Toronto Blue Jays. They're not going to be able to play in their home uh, stadium, so there's been a lot of questions where they're going to play. I just want to ask you, where do you think the best place for them to play? Because I think they scrimmage. We're recording this on a Tuesday night. And they scrimmage the Red Sox tonight, maybe as we're speaking right now. Uh, right around now, yeah. yeah. 7.30. Um, I know Pittsburgh was trying to help. I feel like like Buffalo makes sense. But it's really complicated from the sense, not from playing the games because there's fields. You know, there's plenty of stadiums, minor league stadiums that can make it work. There's probably major league stadiums where they could fit in outside of the home team. But just the human beings involved. Like you have a roster. I mean, the, the, the rosters now are 60, if I'm not mistaken, instead of a 40 man. So you have your 25 man roster. You have your additional people who might be there to fill in for injuries and whatnot. You have other guys that might come up at some point. I guess the guys that aren't playing can stay in Toronto for the time being, but the other guys have to live somewhere. And so you're on the blue Jays and unlike the rest of the 29 teams in your league, you can't live at home. You can't live with your family. You're going to go live in Buffalo or Rochester or Pittsburgh. It's, and you have what, five days, four days to figure it out. That is uh, certainly, I know people don't generally feel sympathy for people that get paid millions of dollars to hit a ball or whatever. And I understand that that would be sweet. I would love that myself, but just the reality and like the stress in the unknown, like it's hard enough to play baseball during this with all this. Now you got to go, what, live in a, in a motel or whatever. I, 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 I don't know what makes the most sense. I would guess the city with the best lodging because the, 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 the stadium itself doesn't probably matter as much. You could play in a triple-A ballpark or a double-A ballpark if your lodging was good. So I don't know what that comes out to, whether it's Pittsburgh, 
I've never been to Buffalo. I don't, I don't know that they have a four seasons there, um, <laughs> but they could probably, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't, I don't know that there's a right answer. They have a lot of tables there. Yeah. They, well, they did. Yeah. They used to. Used to. They have a lot of half They can tables. recycle them. <laughs> they can recycle them and build a, a hotel for them. Yeah. Then you got to put the <laughs> plywood underneath and you got, it's just, it's a lot of work. So I don't, I'm not sure what they're going to do. That's why I love Toronto, though. The uh, team offered – they wanted them to, the players to stay in a, a hotel. They offered them twenty five grand for that. They offered to pay all of their rents and mortgages, and Toronto still told them they can't have games there and they have to go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, there was, a, there was a, an air of politicism to it, for sure, where the Canadian yeah. government was sort of trying to make a point, which I think a lot of us down here are like, yeah, yeah. I can see that. So yeah, you know, Just like I mean, in Florida, that's exactly. all you need. I mean, there's there's spots, and it's not. I mean, like I, I mean, we could do the Florida thing all day, and I'm not trying to like <laughs> downplay it, but like they're just like statistically, you have teams in Texas, you have teams in 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 Florida, you have teams in in areas that aren't doing so well with it. I don't know why you'd want to open your borders for something, as much as it's necessary to someone like me, uh, as unnecessary as baseball. You know, like it's, it's, and, and obviously Canada's open to sports. They're hosting both hub cities in hockey. It's just, that's a much more controlled environment. You have players currently being tested daily or every other day now so that you have some sort of, uh, you know, baseline coming in to not be super worried about it. Whereas with baseball, it's like I said earlier, the guys are living outside of, you know, they're living. So they, they're at risk. And, and when you're traveling the country and, and all that, there's, it's inevitable that it will eventually infiltrate the league. So I understand why Toronto did that. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, I, I honestly think everybody has to follow what Dana White did for UFC, yeah. rent the whole island just for the sport, bring everybody in, test everybody, make sure nobody has coronavirus, and everybody plays just the island. I think that would have been good for hockey. Like, imagine them going to, like, the North Pole. Like just <laughs> hockey island, just have them play outside or something. That would have that would have been a great idea. But Gary Bettman, if he was good, would have thought of that. Exactly. If he didn't have to rely so heavily on his advisors, maybe maybe send him up to Greenland or Newfoundland. Yep. Just just north. Just go north until you can't go north no more. Get your sticks and game on. <laughs> so we do want to talk to you because most of your articles are Patriots related, and this is. Our logo is a Patriot. That might be copyright infringement. We're not sure, but no, I won't tell logo. anyone. You're fine. Thank you. Appreciate don't it. Don't worry. We're the it's best. A small, it's a small little business. They don't. They don't care. <laughs> so, my first question I want to ask you. So, you wrote. You've written a lot of articles about Cam, and I read one about the whole Bengals tape controversy. And it seems this is a few weeks ago, but it seems way too convenient that we signed Cam 20 minutes after getting a million dollar fine losing draft picks it has to be a like Belichick had to have like planned this right to sign up just when that happened no but see I heard that a lot and I did like three or four radio interviews that week and every single one was like it was definitely to cover up that thing and I'm like have you ever met Bill Belichick like if you could create in a lab a man who cares less about scandals quote unquote or fines or the league or cheating or anything like I don't think you could do it I think that is the man who cares the very least that it's possible to care about so that thing I really I really 
he's never made a personnel decision to cover up for something else to draw attention away from something else he's made person like personnel decisions that obviously he knew would generate crazy interest like tebow uh i don't know if you guys were you know creating content back in the tebow days but i could literally write tim tebow ties his shoe at patriots practice and it would get 17 million views in like five seconds it was like there was no explain like so i mean like he knows that that type that type of thing obviously generate i'm not saying he he operates in a bubble but i really i give it 0.0 chance that he heard of the penalty coming down and then you know it was like i got to do something to cover this because i think honestly what happened i mean what the timing is the timing but i think with cam when he became available in march uh i don't know if the patriots were interested right away i don't know that they were interested before the draft but i would say after the draft when teams make their picks when the teams that need quarterbacks of the future quote unquote uh draft quarterbacks in the first round uh when 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 moves happen and then things sort of sort of settle i'm sure they contacted cam at that point like listen we have $45.67 in cap space. We can't <laughs> sign you. Uh, we would love to have you. The offer we can make you is not what you want right now. But if it comes to a month or two from now and the offer is not there, just know that we are open to it because this is our situation. We'll go in with Stidham, but we'd love to have Cam Newton come and play for us. We just can't offer you that money right now. We don't have the space. I think that when it was, what, June 30th or whatever, the offers weren't there for Cam. We've heard from Schefter that zero other teams made offers. I think it was just the, the timing of it that maybe Cam set a deadline by the end of July. I mean, he counted I mean, by the end of June, he counted his days, what, 86 nights where he sat up yeah. just pissed off, which I think is, is good news for the Patriots and for Cam Newton. Um, I, I have a hard time believing that Belichick would be like, we got to do this. Because especially, especially, I'm going to say especially a third time, because that was the dumbest quote unquote cheating scandal in the history of cheating scandals. Mm-hmm. You don't send your, your guy in the front row to hold a camera in front of all the Bengals employees when he had been in the third row. I, I, I don't think that was the case. I think they saw an opportunity. Uh, and if cam is cam, they just got, you know, the best deal they've gotten in a very, very long time. I agree. And you took the skip Bales approach from 2009 to 2013, where if you have nothing to talk about, just, Say how much you love Tim Tebow, and everyone's going to click on that. Tim Tebow cannot play checkers. He is a terrible checkers player. And that's a headline in 2009. One day, he like caught passes at training camp. And uh, you know, Tim Tebow catches some passes. And it was like, <laughs> like oh, he's going to be an H-back. He's going to be a tight end. And it was just like, <laughs> no, he probably, like, they probably looked at him. He probably looked terrible. And that was that. But. Uh, probably trying good. to help McDaniel's out. Yeah, because he drafted you know, him. Yeah, it, it was it was what it was. We haven't seen Tebow since then. So, but it was great for traffic. It was great for business. I was actually I was at a preseason game. Uh, I think his last one before they cut him, and the amount of Tim Tebow shirts and even a few jerseys that I saw, it was unreal. Like, the, if you thought he was actually going to make the team, you're crazy. Like, why would you spend your money on that? It's a good like novelty item, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny. Uh, but I remember his preseason game was at Gillette. Uh, I want to say it was against the Eagles. I might be way wrong on that, but he was bad. He was just like, it's it just the game was moving too fast for him. This offense, of all the offenses for Tim Tebow, the Patriots offense was not the one. Yeah. And he had thrown a pick where it was just like, so, I mean, everyone in the stadium, it was going to be a pick as soon as he <laughs> brought his left arm up and had that terrible delivery. And I remember going to his locker and just like, I legitimately felt bad. 
because like people were asking him questions and he like he just didn't know the answers and i'm like man this guy won a playoff game two years ago and he's not going to be in the league after tonight so um yeah maybe he'll make the mets this year i don't know i mean 60 man roster you'd hope so i would hope so i do hope so (laughs) i'll write about it (laughs) (laughs) i mean if the mets need uh some money because you know j-lo and a-rod are buying it tim tebow is the way to get their local market some money absolutely can't sell tickets this year but next year or the year before year after that it'll it'll pay dividends and he'll just keep playing because you know he's got to do something we gotta ask you you know every guest so far that we've had on the show we've asked them what are the, what's your uh what's your top five afc quarterbacks afc okay all right let me let me let me work through this. I mean, Mahomes has to be the universal one, I'm sure. Yep. So Lamar Jackson's probably the universal two generally, and I like. I mean, everything he did last year was. If he can build on that, that's incredible. But I'm not sure that's a given. I think we've seen a lot of guys. He's not super muscular. He's not super built. One like I watch him play, and I and I legitimately I'm like, uh, when he gets hit, it makes me worried. So. Yeah, the, the electricity of, of Lamar Jackson is definitely up there in terms of that. But he also has the widest neck of a human being ever. He does have a wide neck. His head will not fall off his, no. his torso. That's a great point. Um, I'm gonna have to it go would be a- nice for him to show up for a playoff game, too. I think that's the next step for him. Absolutely. I mean, the year before, I mean, this year, Tennessee I loved. I loved the Titans this past year. They reminded me very much of the 01 Patriots where it was just like grit, defense coaching attitude like i i loved watching that game against the ravens so on the one hand i'm kind of willing like willing to let that go but the year before against the the chargers that was that was pitiful that was tough to watch yeah uh if i'm gonna go through my rankings i mean cam we can't really put in there i mean if cam is cam obviously he's in the top five but i don't i don't i'm not gonna say that he is right now I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is probably number one. I, I, I overlooked him. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that when you're finished, but keep going. That's my bad. I know, I know, I know Rivers went. Here's what, what t- I'm just going to ramble because, you know, you I'll talk about for quarterbacks. Philip Rivers was unemployed for like 10 minutes and the Colts, like scooped him right up. And Cam Newton was unemployed for 86 nights. And that to me is like, did anyone watch Philip Rivers last year? He couldn't deliver the ball. Like he could not. He looked like Cam in 2018 when he couldn't when he had his shoulder was busted he needed surgery and this is a man who's you know 40 who never was great who was a a great you know prolific downfield passer with with his with his offenses through the years but was never like a great he's not a guy you you drop everything for an ad and, and the Colts got him in five minutes and that that I, even I was saying it back then in, in March in April like I'd take Cam Newton over Philip Rivers 10 times out of 10. Like, there's not even a doubt about that. So, uh, uh, Philip Rivers is not making my list right now. Um, unfortunately, Blake Bortles is unemployed, so I, I can't. Obviously. <laughs> I can't put him in there. I mean, I, I love Deshaun Watson. He's going to make my top five. Uh, again, playoffs might be a little bit of an issue there. Uh, let me think. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think through the north. Not putting Roethlisberger there, he can barely get out of his chair. Oh, he wouldn't be your third because uh, our guest last week had him third. Who was that? <laughs> it's uh, one of Ryan's friends who's a Steelers fan. 
He's and we, we brought him on knowing that he was going to try to defend the throne and oh. we were just going to roast him. Well, then I respect that. I was like, I was like, who, who else would be saying that? <laughs> I mean, we go throughout, I mean, throughout the South. Uh, no, I mean, that's a great question, I guess, because it's not, it, in the old days, it was so simple. And now it's, it's, it's not quite as clear, but I mean, you know that with your Mahomes, your Jackson, your Watson, I don't know who fills on those other two. What do you guys think? You know, I, I also couldn't think of them. So I actually – I put Mahomes one, Lamar two, Watson three, and just left a gap at four just because there's just no one in the AFC I can think of. And then just me being a biased Patriots fan, I put Cam Newton at five. I mean, there, I, I don't know – did you did any of you guys watch All or Nothing, the Amazon Prime show? No. I have not, no. So I really, and to anyone that follows the Patriots and is invested in Cam Newton, I, I really think it's worth watching because we watch you know, the press conferences and we watch the games and we watch the sideline demeanor and all that. It's really, I mean, if you like hard knocks, it's hard knocks throughout a real actual season. It just comes out after the season. And so it follows the Panthers through the 2018 season. And, and he came out hot. He came out looking like he was, you know, 2015 Cam. And then, <clears throat> excuse me. He took that hit, uh, was it TJ Watt in Pittsburgh that hit him yeah. right on his throwing shoulder. And like, yeah. there's a picture of it. And it's just like, you can see the damage happening. And from that point forward, like he couldn't hit a slant. He couldn't yeah. hit he, nothing downfield was thrown. Everything was crossing patterns or in the backfield of McCaffrey. And he tried to get through it. Like he, he was bad because his arm didn't work. And I, I don't know that his arm is going to work right now. Uh, it could be damaged beyond belief. Maybe that's what all the NFL teams thought when they passed on him. But if his arm is as strong as it looks in all his freaking Instagram videos, he 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 very well could be. And he's only 31. Like he's 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 more talented than I think the league wanted to give him credit for. So I don't think it's ridiculous to say Cam could be one of the better quarterbacks in the AFC. It just requires health. If if the health is there. This is a guy who's Rob Gronkowski size, who runs faster than anyone, who throws like he—he he is such a an unbelievable talent that if the health is there, there's there shouldn't really be a doubt that he can be the fifth best quarterback in the AFC. He might be even better. Yeah, I think I had uh, I had Mahomes one. I had Jack. No, I had Deshaun Watson too because I have a theory that Bill O'Brien is out to get Deshaun Watson for some reason. Maybe. It's back when he's coaching at Penn State. Deshaun Watson, I did something to him. I don't know, but he's done everything to – he's given him Brandon Cooks his one concussion away from just being outed from the season. Garvin of the best wide receiver in the NFL, in my opinion. Bill O'Brien hates success, and he hates how he's had a winning record every year. You know, so, like, your rating is, like, theoretically, if, if he didn't have this coach, he would be number two. Mm-hmm, exactly. So, like, I'm That's saying fair. it was. If I, if I could choose who I'd want on my team, Deshaun Watson would be two. Then Jackson, then I put Big Ben on because I'm I'm giving a little shout out even though when I went to Heinz Field, nothing but disrespect towards me, so I shouldn't give him the benefit of the doubt. But I'll give Ben number four. I do think Cam will be good because he looks like Dante Hightower on steroids in his workout video. So if I'm not gonna throw him five, who am I gonna throw in? That's fair. That's fair. I mean, the 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 workout videos are what they are, but it's like the guy's been working. I think there should be no doubt about that. Uh, going back to before he was cut, you know, he was he was in the in the gym on his Instagram showing like so like I don't think the work is an issue. It's just a matter of if the body holds up and if it does. That's why I find the whole like Stidham 
Newton debate. Like, no, like Jared Stidham may be a fine NFL quarterback. I don't know. I doubt it just because most people aren't. Um, he's not a one, one. He's not the first pick of the NFL draft. He's not a Heisman trophy winner. He doesn't have that body. He doesn't have that pedigree. I know Newton's never won the Super Bowl before, but it's like, come on, man, you put those two guys on a practice field together and they're both healthy. There's not even a discussion like that, that, that generating is kind of crazy to me. Like it's all about health. If, if Cam's not healthy, then sure. But if you're just going on this healthy level, it's not even worth talking about. I think the debate. So you think, I was going to say, do you think even if they basically have to wing it to start the season and Cam has only picked up, I mean, a quarter to a half of the playbook, he's still the guy to start? I do. I do. And, it, and it, it's partially, you know, X's and O's. It's partially working with the offense and it's partially the motivation is real. Like the, the, the anger and the rage within Cam. And I think back, you guys probably know his history. Obviously he was at Florida. He was Mr. Tebow's backup. Uh, had a little incident with laptops. Whom among us has never, you know, gotten entangled in some laptop controversy at the University of Florida? <laughs> it happens. Goes to junior college where it's sort of like, at that point, it's a crossroads in your life if you want to be a professional quarterback. And he goes and wins a national championship at, at the JUCO level. And then it's like, all right, you got your life back. Now you're going to get a chance at Division One again. And what does he do? He goes out. And not only does he lead Auburn to a 14-0 record, not only does he win the Heisman, not only does he win – the national championship. Have you looked at his skill players on that? Team? Nobody. It's, I don't think anyone else made the NFL. There might've been like one Brandon person there was who did one guy like made it, but didn't like, it's un, like Nick Fairley carried the defense and Cam Newton carried the offense. And I, I urge everyone. I don't have, I mean, I'm on my computer now, obviously, but I don't have it all up. I was looking at it a week or two ago. The offensive skill positions on that Auburn team were just, butt, just pure, butt. I think one guy got drafted in like the fifth or sixth round. And it, like, it's unbelievable what he did. And that was when it was sort of like, all right, do you want to be a pro? And it's like, yeah. And he became the, the number one overall pick. So I think he's in a similar position now. He's big on the, you know, everyone doubted me. Everyone, every, every league passed, every team passed to me. You saw his video, I'm sure, last week at the round table with, uh, mm -hmm. with, with Odell and with Gurley and, and with Victor Cruz, where he's just sort of like, looking at he's like, that team passed on me. That, and that doesn't win you games but it drives you and it drives you to put in the work. It drives you to put in the work in the gym and in the, in the training room and the everywhere. So I think that's a legitimate thing. And it's, it's intangible. I'm sure like a, a statistician or, or an analytics person would say, no, that's imaginary fake. But in a sport that's as emotional as football, there's no accounting for someone as crazy motivated as he is right now. And I think, Cam's going to fit in just well because us New Englanders love a good hype video with Tom Brady Elman and Cam's already getting started. So I'm more than all in on Cam. That was another one I wrote last week. I think I'm like, listen, hype videos are whatever. Everyone's got hype videos. Edelman puts hype videos out when he goes to the bathroom. Like everyone <laughs> has their hype videos. It is what it is. But you watch his and you listen and you're kind of like, okay. like I, I, he's not BSing, I don't think. And even going back to, I, I actually, this is, you know, we're getting personal now. I was up till like 3 a.m. last night. Just sleep wasn't happening. And so I finished up that All or Nothing series because I, I, I had never watched the last episode. And it was when Cam finally like, and like the owner, you know, Tepper was going down to the locker room being like, he can't play. Like he can't play. Everyone knows it. And they're like, he can't do it. And I'm like, I, like even going back to that, like I'm sure he's just thinking like, okay, like it's it's been burning for a while. And sitting out all of last year with 
with a foot injury of all things. There's a lot of fire there. And, and so, yes, it's a hype video. Yes, I could make one that makes me look like an athlete when I'm clearly <laughs> not. But there's something real there. I agree. I, um, I honestly, like, I wasn't really about the Cam Newton signing until, really, until it happened. Then I convinced myself because now he was a <laughs> Patriot. But I was hung up on the Super Bowl, the 2015 Super Bowl. That always stuck with me. I'm sure it did for a ton of people, not diving for that fumble. I, I mean, it was less than four minutes in the game. They were on their own, I think, six-yard line. Um, but you do anything to win. You're, you're that close to winning a Super Bowl. And I'm sure that stuck, that stuck in a ton of people's minds still. But all this hype that he's put out, everything he's saying, like this scorched earth, like he's ready to burn the league down. I don't think you're getting that person. You're getting someone who's going to do everything and anything he can to win and prove everyone wrong. I contributed to that too. Uh, I'd have to hand up on that one because <laughs> uh, I think after that Super Bowl, because I wasn't working obviously because the Patriots didn't make it, um, I might have done a, a split screen or like a video with both where it was Cam not diving on that fumble. And then it was Brady like risking his entire shoulder in week 17 in Miami <laughs> when Sue yeah. was jumping on him. And like his yeah. whole, like the entirety of Sue's weight landed on Brady's body as he reached for the fumble. And I was like, this is week 17. And I was just, you know, in retrospect, the way that it, it was, it was framed didn't do the best work, but, it, the the cam not diving on the fumble was a real thing like and you're not you're certainly one of millions that that immediately thinks of that and that's a hard thing to get over i think if the patriots end up in a super bowl and there's a fumble and he has the chance to you know go for it and not go for it ultimately that's the patriots are in a better spot than they would be if they hadn't had cam newton so uh that was definitely not not the best play in nfl history and it didn't help when He's asked about it after the game, and he just leaves the podium. Yep. No, absolutely. And a lot of people thought of that. I just think in, in, in more than just that, there's, you know, people get turned off by a lot of things, whether it's, you know, the, the, the outfits. You know, he only cares about his suits and his hats and all that. He does care about his suits and his hats. Uh, like, there's a lot of, of, of different angles that people come at Cam Newton and sort of say, like, oh, he's not serious about it. But I don't think you can be the MVP of the NFL if you're not serious about it. I really – I don't think you can come into that by accident or just by talent. I think in that league, it's not enough. It's not like – even the NBA, you know, where it's, things aren't serious. Like, like, is James Harden one of the most talented players in the world? Yeah, but is he the guy that you want to be your MVP to lead you to a title? Not really. So I, I think there, there's in – the, in the NFL, it's like that times a 1,000. So I think – there's no, there's no excusing the, the, the fumble play or even the, the Mopey press conference. But, I mean, there's, there's, it's, it's also one play. I mean, I look at Tom Brady. You won't find anyone that's written more words about Tom Brady being the greatest of all time than me. But I'd also point out, you know, in the Super Bowl against uh, Carolina, he throws a, an end zone interception uh, and, and really takes points off the boards, things like that. And was it – yeah, the Chiefs game two years ago in the AFC Championship game, I believe he threw an end zone interception where it's just yeah. sort of like, you don't do that. It's not an overtime. Like, like, I think everyone, even the great, like the sport is so damn hard and things happen so damn fast that even the greatest of all time has, I could name six or seven huge gaps and huge moments. Some of them they win, some of them they don't. Uh, for Cam to have that one, it certainly is unmistakably a gaff, but I don't know that it means that, you know, he's incapable of, of reaching a certain level. 
Yeah, oddly enough, I think Brady was due for a terrible interception in every Super Bowl. 2014, the Jeremy Lane interception, the pick six bad. and the 28 to that was terrible. The Jeremy the, Lane the was 28 bad, to three. Edelman earned MVP honors by breaking Jeremy Lane's arm on that, which then led <laughs> yeah. to uh Darold Simon covering Julian yep. Edelman in the Super Bowl. So maybe it was like it worked in our level. favor. That was chess. Brady was playing. Yeah. He's like Edelman's gonna break his arm. Yeah. And uh the, a genius. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Belichick then, strikes again. That was Ernie Adams, actually. <laughs> <laughs> the the pick six in twenty in the twenty to three Super Bowl. The first throw that he makes in the uh, Super Bowl fifty three was a terrible throw. Like as soon as that left his hand, you knew that was getting picked yeah. off. Yeah, I mean, like th that's the thing is when you're in that game, and I've you know, people you know like on Twitter or whatever that that will be like, oh, Brady sucks, and here's why, and here's like, five, and it's just like you gotta understand football, like like. It yeah. is a hard sport. Like, yes, I could point out, I could go through Joe Montana's career and find snippets that make him suck. I could do it with Peyton Manning. I could do it with Brett Favre. Well, Brett Favre would be super easy. Uh, I could do it with Tom Brady. <laughs> and it's just, it's a hard sport. Mistakes are made, even by the best. It's just a matter of, with the Brady case, it's sort of like, all right, so why is he there every friggin' year? Yeah. Like, apparently he's got a good system. That's true. That's true, because Matt Castle didn't make the playoffs in 08, as you might remember. <laughs> this all goes back to my grand scheme of things. To put, to put sports into perspective for people, you need to have average people perform these. You need to put average people in these situations. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's, there's a lack of respect for the difficulty of professional sports. 100%. I think take the average person and put them in amateur sports. Go play, you know – men's league tackle football or whatever. Like I actually don't recommend that, but you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, you know, like I, I played men's league baseball until I was 30 and it's like baseball is friggin' hard. Like it's, it's very hard. And I was playing against guys who sucked and it was still hard. So I sucked as well. Like you, I think that as, we, as people get further and further away from playing sports, there's sort of a, it's just a TV show, you know, yep. and it's, it's sort of, it looks easy. They make it look easy, you know, I think golf is the best example because people sit at home and myself included, and we watch pro golfers and we're like, I should be able to do that. And it's like, no, you shouldn't. Like you don't watch, you don't watch guys facing like 101 mile an hour fastballs and, and be like, I should be able to hit that. Like you just, you realize your, your limits, but we all have that inside us. We're like, ah, oh, yeah, I, I can do that. That's not a big deal. I think it, it just sort of permeates throughout sports where people watch um, and, and just sort of, respect is probably too heavy of a word for it but you know what i mean where it's like an understanding of of the challenges and the difficulties and all the things that go into it uh it's not a matter of you know hitting a ball in a batting cage or, or throwing a pass on a practice field like there's so much going on that i think the average viewer in, a, in an instant isn't thinking of all that uh i do want to now 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 i'm just overpowering your your own agenda here but i want to put it on a record uh Pat Mahomes, we all agree, best quarterback in the league. I, and now I'm one for one on this prediction. Uh, I watch him throw and I worry about his elbow. Uh, I really do. Uh, in the long term, like he's what, 24 years old? I don't worry yeah. about it. I don't worry about it today, tomorrow, next week. But he doesn't step into anything. He doesn't throw anything with his lower body. He, he, he'll drop back and he'll have a clean pocket and he'll lean back and just arm it. Like whether it's a 40 yard pass or a 10 yard pass and, and there's a throw, 
I, I should, I, if I had it up, but it was a play last year against Miami, I want to say, that didn't count. The play didn't count for whatever reason. And he threw a ball about 65 in, yards in the air. Perfect. Like picture perfect on a skinny post. But it was off the back foot and it was all arm. And you look at the torque on that elbow. I have concerns about that. When he signed his, you know, million year deal for $8 billion, I'm kind of like, <laughs> and everyone's weighing in like, oh, he's costing himself money or the team, like, like everyone had an opinion on it. I'm kind of like, if he has Tommy John surgery in six years, he made out pretty well in the deal, I think, because the torque on that, and the, I said I'm one for one when Chris Sale was with the White Sox and the Red Sox, you know, were always rumored for him for a couple of years. I kind of looked at all, you look at the pictures and you could like see his tendons like sliding around in there with his like off arm <laughs> delivery. I'm kind of like, huh, that's not going to work for too long. And it lasted about three years and then he needed Tommy John. So Mahomes is young. He'll be good for a while. He's incredible. But that elbow, he's going to have to change his mechanics if he doesn't want Tommy John surgery in roughly 2024-ish, maybe give or take a couple of years. So you guys are the first to get that one because I didn't want to tweet it because everyone would make fun of me. Exclusive here first. <laughs> Don't tweet that with the podcast. Right. <laughs> Make sure people have to listen to that. Get the that and Bettman. <laughs> and, uh, well, Chris Jones did say that they're going to win five Super Bowls. So I guess the next four just already locked to them. And yeah. then the Tommy John will come after that and we'll see what happens. That's why the Patriots let Brady go. That's why they didn't do anything in free agency. That's why they had a bad – they're just like, all right, well, it's dynasty time. Uh, they yeah. said so. That that was ridiculous. <laughs> like it was February third or whatever night the Super Bowl was, and it was like ten forty five. And there's like dynasty stories. Like are the Chiefs the next dynasty? It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like where are all the dynasties? There's there's been one this century. There was the Cowboys, which was super brief. There was the, the, they are very short. There was the Steelers in the seventies. There was there was the Forty ers for a while with two quarterbacks and two head coaches. Like. These things don't just like show up. Like it's not like a given. No matter like every year, the team that wins is great, right? The Seahawks mm -hmm. were great when they won in 2013. They beat the crap out of the best offense we've ever seen with the Broncos. They won one, they lost one, and then they disappeared. So it's like it's yeah. sort of like the the again the respect level for for building a sustainable championship organization has got has just completely disappeared. And you know people like us who are smart. Uh, and aren't bozos <laughs> we'll wait around and we'll see them you know proven wrong because dynasties don't happen and then no one will ever own up to it because that's the way people just move on but we'll know in our heart of hearts that we weren't idiots like so many we all just have to congregate against nick wright because he's the one steerheading this uh argument right now isn't day. he he's a cam guy though right isn't he in like limbo he's lost yeah, right now mentioned that too he's yeah. a cam guy which it's kind of funny because he just struggles every day on TV to like, he wants like his job is to not like Boston sports, but he has to stick with his cam argument. So he's it's tough. He's a, a mind. There's, thing, you know? there's and you know, being like an internet content creator guy, like there's tears to the greatness of the, like the hot takers, like national and like, he, he's just, he's just so low. Like there's, I don't know, people get mad about it. And then it's like Kellerman is low, but like Kellerman's at least sort of in on the joke to an extent. Like he's yeah. got pride that over like supersedes it a little bit, but like then you have like your, your Skip Bayless, and then you have your Colin Cowherd, who I, I remember one time he wrote he said that Bill Belichick wasn't a great coach because um they were five and eleven in two thousand and they were zero and two under Bledsoe, and so it's all Brady and I'm just like that was twenty years ago, man. Like, there's <laughs> and so like I remember writing a story being like. 
usually you're like, like this is dumb for it's like this is dumb period like that's it period there's nothing worth really discussing like how dumb everyone laugh at him and then i just like ended the story because it was like they're, they're, <laughs> the patriots were such prime fodder for so long that it's just sort of like guys weren't even trying anymore he had i think on his shows when cam was free agent he was referencing back to 1993 when or 1996 when he was coach of cleveland saying he only likes pocket quarterbacks that know the offense and like so there's no way he'll there's no way he'll sign cam joy and like he signed him like two days later he's like well yeah i mean i know personally i've been thinking about bill belichick's history with Vinny testaverde and that was big with me in the off season of 2020 with what he might do. So I, I've been perplexed as well. <laughs> um, so what we do want to de- definitely have to talk about Tom Brady. Cause we referenced bringing a show. Like that's how we've gotten through this coronavirus. Just talking about Tom Brady invading houses, you know, just breaking the law down there, becoming one with the Florida guys. So I just wanted to get your initial thoughts on Brady down there and Gronk just skipping out his legendary WWE career to, you know, just go back to playing football, which is, I don't know if that's a smart move for him. He did go out a champion. You know, he had the belt for a couple of weeks, I think. You know, it was, I first, some of the first wrestling stories I ever wrote were Gronk winning the belt, Gronk losing the belt, Gronk's belt. Uh, that was big. Um, but I think Tampa's legit because you guys will have to help me because I, I, I'm, I've been off for four days. I've been in total summer mode. Uh, they went nine and seven last year, right? I think seven yeah. and nine. Oh, seven and nine. Okay, okay, seven. No. That, that, yeah, that had the, oh, had the numbers right. I, uh, I I flip them sometimes. So they went seven and nine, right? They had a quarterback with thirty interceptions. Brady has thrown thirty interceptions over the past what four years, five years? Yeah. Like that. That alone, just not throwing those picks, is significant enough. I think Mike Evans. You mentioned uh, DeAndre Hopkins earlier as maybe the best wide receiver in the league. I think there's like five, four or five guys that are in that conversation where every week that guy could be the best receiver in the league. And one is absolutely DeAndre Hopkins. One was Antonio Brown before he Antonio Browned himself out of the league. One is, <laughs> is Julio Jones. Hi, Peanut. What's up? I got a, I have a visitor here. Yeah, we, we love guests on the show. <laughs> Want to say hi? Say hi. 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 <laughs> Does she love Tom Brady as much as you do? What do you think about Tom Brady? Think about Tom Brady. Okay. <laughs> right. No comment. Um, She's still upset. It's it's been a long uh, off season for all of us. <laughs> um, but uh, Julio Jones, another one, and I think Mike Evans is so much in that conversation because look at his quarterbacks. You have. Oh, sorry, I got an issue in the house. Um, All good. <laughs> You have Jameis, you have Fitzpatrick, you have uh, a McCown, you have like the quarterback situations he's worked with. And he's averaged, I want to say, like 1,083 yards. Like Mike Evans is unbelievable. And now you take Tom Brady with a guy like that. And even if Gronkowski, I don't think Gronkowski's going to have 60 catches and, and 1,000 yards and 17 touchdowns or anything. But he's still the size he is with the, with the knowledge that he has in the, the chemistry that he has with Brady. And if he's not in line blocking the way that he used to in New England, his body should be able to sort of withstand this this a little bit more as sort of a, you know, like a Kelsey type of, of tight end. I don't think he has that explosion necessarily in his early 30s that he would have in his mid-20s. But 
I think the offense is, is due for a major, major, major push. The defense is, is okay. This, they're, not, they're not a top five defense, but they're, they're good enough that I think you look at those factors and you look at a team that's seven and nine, it's not hard at all to see them going 10 and six or 11 and five. And then what happens after? I mean, this is all assuming, this is assuming like nine billion things, right? Like with the season actually yeah. happening with all this stuff, who knows? I mean, I can't even think about the NFL playoffs right now, but that's the point where it's sort of like, yeah, Brady's in his forties. Yeah. Gronk took a year off. Yeah. They're Tampa Bay and Bruce Arians you know, talking about another guy with playoff history. That isn't super impressive. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's, it's too much to call them a Super Bowl favorite right now, but at the same time, I think it's very reasonable to look at that team, look at that quarterback and sort of say they have a chance to be four wins better than last year easily. And then what happens after that, well, it'll be fun to watch. I think that's, that's the great, that's the biggest point. And the greatest thing that I am not giving Roger credit for this because I've already given enough credit to Gary, but whoever did it so that only two Patriots and Buccaneers games uh, happened at the same time this year, unbelievable work whoever is responsible <laughs> for that that person deserves a sub sandwich on me because i want to watch the bucks as much as i want to watch the patriots i agree even if you don't want like whether you want them to win or lose you're going to be you're going to be invested in it you're going to want to watch it and that's the thing like people are always they're going to be emotional about tom brady tom brady leaving like he was the most important athlete of their lives and then he he left now granted he wasn't offered a contract by the Patriots, which I feel like factors into his ability to stay or not. Like he couldn't just sort of hang out. Remember that guy a few years ago had the sign out on route one, like, Hey, I want to play football. Sign me Patriots. Like, like yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Brady could have done that, but I don't think at this point of his life, that's what he was geared up to do. So he left and people can feel all sorts of ways about it. But the reality is all four of us in this conversation, anyone listening, anyone watching the Patriots will never see anyone that important to the organization ever again like period full stop end of story so again you might not want him to go win a super bowl in tampa because you want the patriots to win the super bowl you might want him to lose because you want belichick like the, anything you want but you cannot deny that you want to watch him play every week this year and fortunately it will not conflict with the patriots until like week 14 so it should be a good again Hoping, hoping like hope it happens um, because the, just the spectacle of it. And then it, like, if this Lee, if this season goes down the tubes because of coronavirus, like does Brady even come back? Like, like there, there's a lot at stake uh, for a lot of guys like that because I mean, Brady's been around for 55 years, but guys that, you know, have their peaks and their, their surges, they're, they're short. So um, there's a lot on the line. And that's what, another reason why I kind of think football will do it come hell or high water. Cause it's like, uh, I only got four years in this league. I'm not skipping one. So uh, hopefully hopefully that works out. I don't love saying that uh, health-wise at all, but it's also I'm not in control of it. So that's that's my kind of feel for it. College football and NFL are going to be different. College football is going to be such a nightmare to do because you have to worry about families and parents. Like they're in control of their sons playing football or any sport. But NFL, it's like you said – Guys just want to hit each other and make their money. And like the NBA, the NBA is not coming back or NHL is not coming back for the goodness of the heart to help people watch. They want to make money. So that's why it's yeah. happening. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm very critical of the NFL for many reasons. Uh, this is hard. Like it's, it's a sport that does not lend itself to any of the recommendations needed to, to limit the spread. And it's not to say that it's going to overtake the league and submarine it from day one. It's just, they're living at home. You know, the, the travel is way less than baseball. Uh, the travel actually with football doesn't concern me as much for regular season games. Cause it's sort of like you're in, you're out, you're, you're, your group. But then again, it's not just the players, it's the equipment managers, uh, you know, going into the, 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 the bowels of the stadium after the games to get to the locker rooms, there's, you know, tractor trailers with equipment. There's guys loading all the, all the equipment. There's guys cleaning the laundry. Like there's so many people involved with football that you really got to have lock solid separation of all those people and the players. The players almost have to exist sort of as like just separate entities that nobody comes near because if the towel guy gets sick or, you know, test positive and he had been in the locker room throughout like that, that can't happen. So like these things are solvable to an extent. It's just like, why are we doing it in the middle of July when the virus has been around since February? And it's been pretty clear that they've been coming to this point since early June. Like there, there's no reason for this to be an issue in mid July, but or late July, how it depends on how you look at things. So that part of it is frustrating, but, I do think you eliminate those preseason games and then just hope for the best. That's hope for the best. Now I have one last question. Have you even considered how you're going to spend your Sundays if there isn't an NFL season? Because I think like I've thought about and mentally prepared for the disappointment if that's ever announced, but actually like 20 plus 21 Sundays from September to February, just sitting like I'm in my living room looking at my TV, just imagining like an NFL game being on and that's just not going to be a thing. Like that's going to be the most depressing thing ever after six months of this virus. That's a really, really good question. Cause last night I was watching, like I said, that last episode of all or nothing. And it was a Monday night game, Panthers saints, which I didn't watch. Usually I watch those. I'm like, I remember watching that cause it was a Monday night game, but for whatever reason I didn't, and then, you know, they, they play the audio and stuff and the Panthers are leaving the locker room. And it's Kevin Harlan on the radio broadcast saying like, Panthers seven, Saints six. Come. And you're just like, that sound is so much a part of like the pacing of our lives from September to yeah. January. Like, however pathetic that may be, it is what it is. And from Sunday, from 1 p.m. to 11 p.m., that is the pacing. And then Monday night and then Thursday night, like there is that sort of pacing to the fall that. With, honestly, I haven't thought about it because I, I am like on a two-day, 48-hour window max. Uh, Ryan can tell you. He asked me to come on this podcast like seven days ago. I'm like, honestly, I have no idea. Like Tuesday, sure. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it maybe it's fine. I couldn't tell you. Uh, check back in then because like hockey theoretically starts next weekend. And I'm sort of like, I'm not even there. Like, I'm just like, baseball is going to be Friday. Let's get there. Let's see what happens with hockey. It's like, let's see if they get to the hub cities. Let's see if they get off some scrimmages and then like, I'll get there. So with football, I know reporting dates are soon. Let's see if they can get in the building and then let's see if what the test numbers are. Let's see how they handle 12 positive tests league wide or 20 positive tests league wide or zero. Like, like let's, uh, so no, I haven't gotten there probably cause it's depressing. So I'm, I'm sort of living that like just tunnel vision, 
<laughs> the matter at hand and see what happens next. Because I think even, I mean, with anything with the virus, it's like sort of thinking too wide can just be overwhelming and suffocating. So I guess that's why I'm just sort of in today, tomorrow, and maybe, maybe like a weekend away. That's about as far as I'll look. <laughs> Zach, do you have any other questions you want to ask before we wrap this up? Uh, nothing on mine. And so I just made this point. We still have bowling right after ESPN's uh, pregame show. So that's always exciting when you forget to change the channel. You're watching bowling right after. You're like, what's happening? Like a, a like a 25-year tradition where it's just like you look up and you're like, why? Like, like it should just be a black screen. This is like you forgot to change the channel. Like <laughs> Nobody's watching that. I have been watching an insane amount of golf. Like – I like golf. I've always watched golf, but like logging in to PGA tour live on Thursday morning at eight in the morning to watch like the featured groups on a Thursday, it wasn't really in my repertoire. And now it's like, I guess it's just a live sports addiction that I'm trying to feed, but it's like, it's been too much golf. Like I I'm willing to admit that. And that being said, come Thursday morning, I will be opening up the second laptop and hitting play on that. So <laughs> I, I'm going to need some like contact and action. I love golf but I'm going to need some of what we would call real sports to, to really fill that need. I agree. It gets to that point where I caught myself watching cornhole uh, tapes you know, online. You know what's not bad I've caught a couple times is the ultimate Frisbee. Like, you could watch that for like 20 minutes and be like, hell yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> it's sportish. Like, it's like I've done the cornhole two thing, but it's kind of just like this. It's not really. But the uh, the – the ultimate frisbee is is watchable dare i say i think the cornhole is frustrating to watch because they sink it every time and you like no matter how hard you try i just feel like i would never ever be able to do that. i could yeah. practice 20 hours a day and i, I, I would, i'd get it like once every five tries they don't even best. enjoy it they're like not even having fun they're just sort of just like eh, another, no another one and, <laughs> and then they get like, pissed if they miss it yeah it's like dude like I get one of those in a game and then I just go do something else. And they're just like, eh, <laughs> eh. it's, it doesn't look fun. They've taken the fun out of backyard game. Yeah. <laughs> they're the type of guys that when you're playing uh, a men's softball league, you, like take it so seriously, there's no fun whatsoever. And like, if you don't slide correctly, your team's going to yell at you. It's those kind of guys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, those guys, they look like they're in like cornhole prison. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> so I got, one last question. I'm legally required to ask it by someone, not to name names, but if you listen to the podcast, you'll know who want me, wants me to ask this. It's a Bruins really question. We haven't talked a lot, but we just want to know. Somebody asked me, and I want to know where the hell is David Prostenak? Why is there no answers to? Is he like a missing yeah. man? FBI need to go after him. So I think the NHL kind of screwed itself with its like secrecy program because you have all these guys unfit to play and it's sort of like, well, what the hell does that mean? It could mean like any number of 12 things. And what it leads to is sort of speculation where the agents have to come on and be like, my client doesn't have coronavirus. Like, and so in this case, it was Pasternak. He was in contact with someone who tested positive, whether that was skating, whether that was at a restaurant or a bar or whether that was, you know, in his, in his living space. Like it, it leads to all these mysteries where it's sort of like, I understand you can't have a policy where you just say like, Oh, you know, Bob Smith has coronavirus. Like that's kind of rude for someone that wants privacy, but to slap this unfit to play tag on players that, and without any explanation and you leave the coach to do a zoom call with the media and be like, 
he's unfit to play. Everyone's sort of like, well, what the, what the hell? So it's uh, the NHL kind of over took that next step with the secrecy uh, privacy situation that it leads to this where, you know, a number of Bruins have been unfit to play over the past few days. I know Wagner returned uh, like, like there's, there's guys in and out and we don't know what it's based on and we can't really ask cause there's no, there's no answers. So I think the NHL, once they get to their hub cities should be past this weird stage of secrecy. But for now, it's just sort of like uh, the best goal scorer on the league's best team is being kept off the rink a day after he was there. So, like, if it was bad and he was playing, wouldn't everyone be off the ice? So it's sort of one of those situations where you're kind of scratching your head. And that is where I think Gary directly made that unfit-to-play rule. Gary Bettman did, and he, he ignored his advisors who said, Gary, we should explain something so that the public knows. And Gary said, nay, they need not know anything. Let them eat cake. And the the advisors backed off because Gary would have fired them. So Gary Bettman has created the situation, and frankly, he can find his way out of it. Yeah, he has a upper body injury, and he can be back in two weeks if he passes the test. Pretty much, that's what they got to say. It's a body injury. Yeah, Angel's great. If you want to promote something and want no one to see it, or you gotta have a secret, you gotta tell one person. You're gonna tell the NHL because they're gonna keep it. Like I'm unfit to play, but it's nothing to do with COVID. So <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of things at play. So. Well, Michael, thank you so much for coming on. We kind of broke our promise for how long this is going to be, but I hope it wasn't too bad uh, coming onto the show. All right, I was late, so it's like kind of like uh, <laughs> I do have to go put my kids to bed. As you might have seen, there was uh, some tiredness at play on a, at the end of a long summer day, so I gotta go take care <laughs> of business. ice cream. Hit them. The ice cream crash is real. Uh, I I took my my birthday is July 11th, so every year I take I go to 7-Eleven and get the free Slurpee. This year oh, yeah. there was no free Slurpee, but I went, got a Slurpee, got one for her. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, that's nice. The crash I had after that thing was like, I wanted to die because, <laughs> like, as I'm older and fatter and like just a worse human being from top to bottom, like that Slurpee killed me for like a day. I was just like chugging water, hoping to come back. It's so limit your sugar intake, old people. That's my that's my advice avoid the slurpy hangover yeah you know get a small a small's fine really don't get the large <laughs> i know it's tempting because it's like five cents more but just <laughs> that's a great message to leave off on and i think yeah. much of our new podcast mantras stick to the small slurpy don't go overkill on it just no need no need you pay but... for it later <laughs> thank you so much for coming on michael hurley of wbz boston Awesome heavy one. And for the next one podcast, I'm Ryan Collin along with Brent Smith, Zach Maharmel, and Michael Hurley. Great guest again. Until the next one, thanks for listening.